Welcome to Future Foodcast. I'm Pam Miller, your host, and thank you to our sponsor, Farm to Plate, a software company committed to creating tomorrow's food business ecosystem today. I want to welcome our guest, Klaus Vitrop. He is the founder and CEO, although he doesn't like to say that, of Gasoline Grill. Welcome to the podcast, Klaus. Hello. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Yes. I mean, you did found it and you do run things. So That's we need true. credit for all that, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, can you tell us a little bit about Gasoline Grill? I guess we do have listeners from all over the world. And you're where? We're based in Copenhagen, Denmark. Uh, so, yeah, in Europe. And uh, we are small, like a mini chain of burgers, uh, burger places in Copenhagen. Uh, we have nine locations. We started out at an old gas station. Uh, that's why we have the name Gasoline Grill in 2016. And now we have grown yeah, to nine locations, seven uh, corporate and uh, two franchise. Yeah, that is really a great growth in that amount of time, really just kind of ticking that off along the way. I mean, good, solid growth, Klaus. But yeah. Gasoline Grill is so creative. You know, I've seen restaurants and things that take over old gas stations. And I always think it's a great kind of a character to go to, you know, character yeah. of a place you go and there's this ambiance and you, you know how things used to be and you can see maybe where they used to fix the cars and different yeah. things. Yeah. What made you want to be in a location like that? Was that an initial thought or was that just what was available? It was, uh, yeah, in 2016, when I wanted to open a burger place, we had kind of like the Copenhagen burger war, you could say. There was just burger places all over and uh, a lot of good burger places. And everyone I talked to, they said, uh, do not open a burger place. It's, n it's not a good idea. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But uh, I thought, yeah, I'm pretty sure that I can make a, a good burger, but I need something more. And there was just one location in the city center of Copenhagen, an old gas station from maybe around the 50s. So it has a really nice like art deco look to it. And uh, I thought it would be a nice reference to uh, the burger places in California 1950s you know if I opened up a burger place in that gas station like one of those roadside gas stations or roadside burger places you'd find in California so it's actually a reference to that and uh, I thought it would just give me a lot of uh, publicity and I thought it would be uh, it was just right for that uh, location to have a small little burger place. It's very, very small. It's uh, 120 square feet. So uh, very, very small. <laughs> How do you even fit a grill in there and all the things that you need to make? Bur that's yeah, that you know, it, it's really it's a blessing to have such a small space because you really need to cut to the core and only make what's most important. Right. So uh, I really had to cut down to what I thought was essential in a burger. And uh, yeah, we only have four burgers on the menu and uh, fries and that's it. And we have had that menu since day one. And uh, yeah, really happy. People come to you because they know what they're getting. But what gave you the idea of the whole, how did you even know about California burger places? Yeah, <laughs> when, <laughs> yeah when, when I was 16, I went to America as an exchange student. So that was in 1992, and I, uh, it was my first time flying. It was my first time in America, and uh, I was going to spend a year there. And uh, I was uh, going to stay in a farm outside uh, Chicago in Indiana. 
And I got picked up in the airport by my host family and we took the drive back to the farm and we stopped by a roadside diner and uh, I didn't really know what to order the menu. I mean, there wasn't too many things, but there was a burger on the menu and I had had a burger before, but this burger was just completely different from what I had tried in Denmark. You know, a burger in 1992 in Denmark was, uh, it was like a dry sesame seed bun. It was a frozen patty. It might have raw cucumber. It might have corn and peas and Chinese cabbage and like a creme fraiche dressing. You know, it, it was something completely different from like a true American burger. And when I had that taste of that burger, I can still remember it. The fatty, the juicy, the salty taste. And uh, it just stuck with me. And, you know, being in America as a 16-year-old, just living your best life, it's still, it, 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 it has a special place in my heart. So I missed America and uh, I missed uh, all that, uh, all those uh, nice memories that I had. And I also missed the burger. I, I became a burger nerd. So I would go around tasting burgers wherever I traveled or also here in Copenhagen. And I always thought the burger wasn't exactly how I wanted it. So I thought uh, as I was turning 40, I thought, okay, if I'm going to do it, it's going to be now. And uh, then I started Gasoline Grill and I made the burger exactly how I wanted well, and I'm sure other people in Denmark, obviously, they love it because you've been able to expand. You have a good business established. And yes. I, I just like how you talk about all the different things. I've I've never really known what's on a burger in Denmark or what was on a burger in Denmark in 92. <laughs> since, the, since then, yeah. but never heard about putting some of those things on a burger. And no. that's just interesting culturally to yes. the different applications, but yes. certainly you could improve upon, you know, kind of a dried out bun and a frozen patty. Yes. Uh, but what is, what is your unique identifier? What makes you different from, you said there were burgers all over in Denmark when you yeah. decided. Yeah. That and, 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 it, and in two, 2016, you know, we had come a far way. We had, we had great burgers in, in Denmark back then also, uh, I mean, close to, I mean, what, what you also have in America. But I just thought that I could bring even more quality. I wanted to, I, I my background has also been, you know, in touch with fine dining and, uh, you know, the high uh, end of the food industry here in Copenhagen. So I wanted to bring some of that approach into fast food or into fast casual. So everything we serve is organic. Uh, we grind the beef in-house every morning at each location and we hand form each patty. Um, we have our own bun. It's a potato bun. It's my own recipe. And I mean, we were the only ones that, that serve on a potato bun. Uh, yeah. And then just every ingredient is, uh, is really uh, deliberate. It's been, uh, you know, the cheese is uh, very special. Uh, the pickles, everything is there for a reason. And uh, and and curated. So, uh, but very simple. I mean, it's not fancy. It doesn't. It, it is a burger you can eat with one hand, and that's also what I wanted. So, uh, uh, yeah, just high quality ingredients, and then treating those ingredients really well. Yeah, I the word curated. I don't think I've ever heard that applied to the creation of a burger, and I really like that, Klaus. That's, <laughs> Thank you. That's elevating. That definitely elevating the burger uh, to yeah. that level. Well, it yeah. sounds like just so much thought went into what you're doing, and since yeah. you are so focused on that product, you want it yeah. to be the best and unique, yeah. and exactly what you wanted. Like you said, yes. that our memories sometimes have that taste. 
in our that's mouths. Right. You know, you can visualize right. when you had that first burger as a young man here in the United States. I think that's exactly. a really great story. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about the pandemic because everyone in the food industry has had some challenges. So how did the, what happened for you during the pandemic time? Yeah, what well, I mean, obviously it was really, really scary. <laughs> I didn't know, uh, you know, what was going to happen uh, the first uh, few days. Uh, we were, luckily, we were already pretty good at doing uh, takeout. Is uh, what you call it? We call it takeaway. <laughs> um, so we were already good at that, uh, but we we didn't really have like a delivery service. We didn't have an app. You couldn't reach us. You couldn't call us. You couldn't like book ahead. If you wanted a burger, you had to come down and stand in line. We well, now hang of- on a minute. Most most restaurants and places just want to make it as convenient as possible for their customers to call in. Yeah. Uh, order online somehow, but not you. No, you weren't answering the phone. You wanted them to come (laughs) down to the restaurant. Why is that? Yeah, I I mean, I I wanted to have a line out the door. (laughs) I I wanted to have a line. (laughs) That's also why I chose such a small place for the first location, because I was sure there was going to be a line out the door. Uh, (laughs) But uh, that's, that's kind of genius from a marketing perspective, because that draws people to you when you see a line at a place you think wow they must have something really great people are lined up waiting for that exactly yeah Yeah. (laughs) so that's really what i wanted but also i mean we uh we have been we are sold out every day we don't have uh opening hours uh, or closing hours we have opening hours but we don't have closing hours so we uh, close when we're sold out and uh, we, 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 we have just been so fortunate that we never really had to accept pre-orders or answer the phone. People would come and stand in line and get the burger. And I really liked that. But, you know, the pandemic changed everything. Well, now you close when you're sold out. Is that because you grind everything fresh that day? Yes. So you, yes. you do a certain amount. And then when that's yes. gone, that's gone. Exactly. Okay. And, and, because, and because the first location is so small that we can't produce more once we're open because then we're going to cross contaminate so yeah we we grind the, all the burgers we can in the morning and then we sell them uh, throughout the day and then we close okay i didn't um, mean to interrupt your talk about the pandemic i just need no to, problem i think that's unique uh, <laughs> that's it was unique. you know it was in 2016 you know when i when i uh when when we had and when we were sold out people would uh People would approach me and they would, they would be like, uh, man, you, Klaus, uh, you can't be sold out. I mean, it's not good business. And I was like, mm, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> now I see more and more concepts that are also being sold out. It speaks of the quality, I think, in some way. Uh, that wasn't really intent intentional. Uh, I mean, the intention was just to have a handbrake to be able to, because in the beginning, it was also only me working there. So I had to make sure that I could make the burgers and that I didn't, you know, uh, promise people that I would be open until nine o'clock at night and then I'll be sold out at five, you know. Right. Uh, so uh, that was the intention, but it turned out also to be uh, a great little marketing gimmick. Uh, that wasn't really the idea, but it worked out well. Great. Okay, fast yeah. forward to the pandemic. Before the pandemic, yeah. no, they had to come down to the restaurant, wait in line. Yes. And you could not reach us. <laughs> well, I understand a little bit more about that too, is because you had a limited amount of burgers that you could turn yeah. out. So you were yeah. honoring those who made the effort to come to the restaurant. Exactly. The exactly. Changed a little bit. 
Yeah, because we had to be, obviously, we had to be much more accessible to people and we had to be, uh, think of all ways that we could really connect with our guests and service them. So we got uh, set up with a app, like a white label app, really, really quick. I, I mean, within the first month. Uh, and then uh, we could take app orders and then immediately we started building our own app and also uh, because I wanted to keep everything you know I, I'm I'm a I'm also like a process guy you know so I want to keep everything simple so I didn't want to have a phone ringing all the time or that we had to answer emails so I wanted to make sure that we could take orders but in an in a in a way so that it was scalable, right? So that's why I really wanted us to have an app. So we had an app, but you could call us, but we would urge you to order through the app. Right. Uh, and now we have our own app. Uh, we launched it like a year later, I would say. So we la launched it during uh, the pandemic. And um, yeah, it's really successful. We have uh, 50,000 downloads. And uh, yeah, uh, so... It, it, it turned out well, and now we are leaning, really leaning into uh, being uh, accessible to our guests, really trying to think of ways where we can be even more accessible and, and, and bring even more convenience to our guests. So, uh, yeah, and that's good. I, th I, think, I think the pandemic has changed our industry so that uh, we, we just have to think in those way, ways as well. Yeah. Now, during the pandemic, a lot of restaurants had trouble sourcing their, you know, beef or in your case, I guess you made your own buns. So that wasn't an issue. But no. did you did you close any restaurants? <clears throat> Are there any differences in the way you uh, <clears throat> We had one restaurant that was situated on a train station on the platform. <laughs> yeah. No one and, was uh, <laughs> yeah and we closed that one because there was no uh, no one taking the train right so uh, we closed that one and we actually decided to close it for good after the pandemic because we just never really got back uh, and then we had an opportunity to open another one instead so uh, we closed that one but no that was uh, the other restaurants one uh, there were two restaurants that we had closed for maybe two weeks but then we opened up all the restaurants again. And uh, yeah, um, we, uh, with regards to beef and all that, we, we get everything is sourced local and, uh, or lo I mean, local in Denmark. Denmark is such a small country. So, mm -hmm. but uh, so we, we have long term contracts or like good relationships with all our suppliers. I know where we get the beef from. We uh, work together with eight farms here in, uh, in Denmark, organic farms. And, uh, and we are also working on projects with, uh, you know, uh, having uh, regenerative farming and stuff like that with the with the cattle. So uh, we never really had serious problems with uh, sourcing because we have such close relationships with our suppliers, mm -hmm. and we have no wholesaler. I cut okay. out the wholesaler, so I buy everything direct because. Again, back to the simplicity, we have such few ingredients, but very, very high volume. So, so we can buy direct. Yeah, that's great. And that works out really well for you. How did other restaurants do during the pandemic? Like, did that, you know, what was happening? Oh, it was crazy. I mean, uh, obviously, a lot of restaurants were struggling, right? And, uh, yeah. and some didn't make it. Uh, and, you know, a lot of restaurants pivoted. Uh, 
some stuck really to what they were doing and like, no, we're not going to do delivery or takeout or anything like that. And I think that was tough for them. But but some uh, thought of completely different ways to survive. So one example is uh, Noma, a restaurant here in uh, Copenhagen that's like has uh, been voted the world's best restaurant several years and uh, has three Michelin stars. Oh. Uh, they actually opened up a burger pop up at their restaurant uh, here in Copenhagen, and uh, and uh, they're good During friends. During the pandemic, yes. So okay. Because they couldn't have, you know, they they uh, they have a you know a fixed menu, a tasting menu oh. that's like sit down and twenty courses and very expensive and and also very nice. But uh, and they couldn't do that during the pandemic, you know. And uh, they had just built a huge restaurant, beautiful restaurant. So they had to make some money, and um, they made like a wine bar and a pop up burger bar in their garden. They have a, a beautiful big garden around their restaurant. And uh, they're good friends of ours, so we we uh, lent them our uh, bun so that they could make a, a great burger, and they did that uh, for the whole summer. In when was that? Twenty one or okay. yeah. Okay, yeah. so you're rubbing shoulders with the three star Michelin, the three Michelin star restaurant there in yes <laughs> in your country. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> it's very generous of you. It's a very tight community here in Copenhagen. You know, we have so many incredible restaurants and we have people from all over the world coming here to work because it's such a great place to go for food. And uh, yeah, we're all friends because we know that uh, we might uh, work for each other, you know, someday out in the future. So That's everyone is, I guess yeah. it's, you know, kind of a closed community and you never know, but I think it speaks to the confidence that you have in your burger and your business. You yes. were not feeling threatened. You were you were sharing well your signature bun, honestly, which is your yeah. recipe. So yes, yes, <laughs> that's a big deal. Are they still using your bun, Klaus? No, not anymore. <laughs> they, <laughs> they actually decided to open up a permanent burger place, and now they uh, they have their own bun. So I, I okay. couldn't I couldn't go that far. <laughs> okay. There's school enough burgers for everyone. And yeah, uh, is. Is. obviously yeah. still have a thriving business. So that's that's yeah. really great. Yeah. Uh, such a fun story. And I'm I'm glad that you did that. And it seems like it's just a, a really neat community there. And like it you is. said, small country. Yeah. And and people know each other, and you might end up working with or for someone else in the restaurant industry because because exactly. Everybody kind of trades around a little bit. I guess. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, gasoline Grill just sounds like a really super founder story and success story with what you have going now. But yeah. What does the future look like? Uh, I mean, uh, before the pandemic, I was working on uh, uh, expanding internationally, uh, but obviously uh, I, I uh, stopped that <laughs> during the pandemic. And actually, I was really happy. Uh, during the pandemic that I didn't have a couple of restaurants in some other country because that would really have uh, that would have been a lot of trouble right <laughs> so uh, but but now I'm ready to pick it up again and I'm I'm looking to expand internationally so that's what I'm spending most of my time on okay. um, and also the pandemic uh, really taught me that before I thought that we uh, we are like we want to do everything ourselves and uh, and that's also fine, but I think for international expansion, it's going to be franchising okay. because uh, I, I, uh, I, uh, we did a couple of franchises here in Copenhagen during the pandemic, and uh, 
it's really successful and I'm really happy with it. And uh, my concern was if I was going to be able to control the quality, but it, it we are able to control the quality and protect the brand. So uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's the idea to roll out as a, as a franchise. Exciting. And you already have a couple of trials right there in your home turf, so to speak, yes. closer where yes. you can monitor them a little bit better and get yeah. those, like you said, your process guy, get those processes decided and defined so that, you know, exactly. as you expand internationally, you know that that's, like you said, your brand is protected. Well, yeah. congratulations on that. Thank uh, you. If, yeah. Do you have any... Um, any words of wisdom or anything that you would like to share with our audience before we go? Because I think we've covered gasoline grill and all that you have going on there. Is there anything else you'd like to share? No, I think, I mean, if you haven't been to Copenhagen, Denmark, and you're into food, I think you should definitely go because it is uh, incredible. The The food scene here is just booming and there's so many great, great restaurants. The, the Like the bottom level is really high and uh, there the, are the many, many nice places to visit and also the culture here or yeah, the castles and Copenhagen in the summer is just amazing. So I urge you to pay us a visit. Well, I'm on my way. Good. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Let me know. I'll buy you a burger. All right. Oh, you're on for that. Thank you for being on our podcast, Klaus. Thank and you so much for having me. Thank you also to our sponsor, Farm to Plate. They're enabling better food supply chain management today. You can find out more at farmtoplate.io. Thanks for listening to Future Foodcast. Future Foodcast is powered by Farm to Plate, the leading food blockchain platform. Subscribe on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to stay up to date with the very latest innovations in the food industry. 